0: The point is that I use the gags and the tricks as a release. It's it's to ease the tension, that's all. It's when it gets taken to an extreme wh- when it begins to obstruct justice, then it threatens to dismantle our entire judicial system. What's your point? Yeah, baby. Welcome back, everybody. Yes, yeah, so my first dose of the uh, COVID vaccine. That went well. I got the Pfizer. A little bit of soreness like any other flu shot, but uh, next to nothing. And I don't understand. Why do f- some flu shots you feel and then some you don't? Like I went to my doctor's office for my physical ones, and they suggested that I get the flu shot. So the nurse gives me the shot, and it, it actually it kind of felt good, seriously. And then I get it the next year at, like, CVS, and it hurt like hell when he poked me. Then I get this COVID vaccine, this shot, and it was nothing. You know, almost kind of comforting, actually. It's got to be the technician. But you get a nurse to give it the, the shot, and it almost, you know, it seems like they care a little bit more. But that dude at CVS, man, he was probably either having a really rough week, or he sucks at giving shots. And they were saying that by last weekend, almost half of all Americans who are eligible to be vaccinated would have had at least their first dose. Three million shots a day were doing. Three million people a day getting poked. That breaks the previous record held by Ron Jeremy in 1985, by the way. Seriously, though, unbelievable. Good for us. But now I'm hearing that a lot of people are not going back for their second dose because people have started to complain about how shitty the second shot made them feel. A the vast majority of those, I think, were getting uh, the Moderna shot. Flu like symptoms. Not the flu, just the symptoms. So they're wimping out. Vaccine's not complete without the second dose. Go get that shot, man. So you get some flu symptoms. So what? Big deal. You know what's worse than flu symptoms? Death. So get the shot, you fucking babies. Hey, real quick. Can I tell you guys how much I appreciate you? I mean, I'm taking chances with this podcast. I'm going to low levels. Where sometimes I'll listen to the show and post. And I'm thinking, oh, Jesus. This might not fly with some people. Then I'll do a show where I come close to crossing the line politically. And I think, oh man, probably should not have gone there. And no one is complaining about this. No one's sending me hate mail or making comments on Twitter or in my DMs. I haven't lost any friends. Just good feedback, support. My friend Charles constantly retweeting my show. Dave too. I hope you guys know that a lot of this is just humor. All right. I'm trying to be entertaining. I don't want to step on toes. I want everyone to get along and understand each other. I'm rattling off this show once a week as a form of a diversion. And then sometimes I'll hit current topics that tend to get too deep. And that's not where I want the show to go. So I appreciate that you understand that this is all for show. All right. And if I hurt anybody with it, it would be devastating for me. So I'm trying my best to keep it diverse and as light as I can. Some weeks I'm not as good at, at, at you know commenting or, or being jokey enough. But I'm doing my best. This is the type of stupid shit that I've been dying to do since the days of dude night. I mean, you want to know how pent up I was during those years of my life as a foodie? I had to stick to food, man. Couldn't talk about sex or relationships. Katrina hated that. I couldn't curse too much. I'm professional. What if you get a sponsor? Stick to food as much as possible. And sometimes I try to veer away a bit, like dude food, that was fun. Pain in the ass to produce, by the way. took me five hours to shoot one 12-minute video because I'm on my own. Minimal gear at the time. But at least that gave me a chance to be at ease, be myself, and add a little pepper to the dialogue. So this is me unhinged. Me being stupid for one half an hour a week. And I appreciate that you understand me and that you'll listen. It's therapy for me, believe me. Trust me when I tell you that. Hey, you remember when cars had all those badass names? Mustang, Viper, Gladiator, Commando, Barracuda, Rebel, Challenger. Look at the names of cars now. We have the Sorento, the Elantra, the Camry, Escape, (laughs) Accent, Accent. Here's my favorite, Sonata. The hell happened here? In the 70s, they named cars to make them sound dangerous. Now we've got all this new age bullshit on the road. Look out, everybody. Here comes the accent. (laughs) Say what you will about American cars, man. But they knew, still know, how to name a car. I like cars that just have numbers or weird abbreviations. Innocuous names like 320i, 300z. 911, GS350. I have no clue what any of those numbers and letters mean. But when I say them to you, you already know who makes those cars. It's identifiable and mysterious. Like if somebody tells you they drive a Challenger or a Commando, you're automatically going to think it's someone with a type A personality. Toxic masculinity, whatever. But if they come rolling up in a Sonata... (laughs) <laughs> Sounds like a car that is going to take you to an art exhibit or the ballet. Not that I have anything against these cars or anyone who drives them. They're great. It means nothing. Your car is not a reflection of you. Mark brought this up at golf. And I thought it was a good point. Why not bring it up? He says no one gives cars cool names anymore. So, hey, one of my favorite muscle cars of all time, the Pontiac GTO. To this day, I have no idea what GTO stands for, but the car had this commanding presence and sounded like a fire-breathing dragon when you started it up. I drove a Toyota Tacoma for years, and then my friend one-ups me and buys a Tundra, which sounds like something that eats other cars. By the way, fantastic truck. Tundra and the newer models are absolute beasts. Anyway, interesting thought from Mark I wanted to share. All right, so let's briefly talk about the Masters. I know there are listeners out there who don't like all the sports talk, but there's a lot happening, and I'll try to keep it brief. Hideki Matsuyama oh, sorry, Matsuyama, became the first Japanese golfer to win the uh, Masters tournament. He beat up the field, and this newcomer, Zala Torres, who bears a striking resemblance to Adam Sandler's caddy in Happy Gilmore, Look that one up. It's funny. <laughs> the Masters made a concerted effort to highlight black players in Augusta history and speak of equality. And a tip of the cap to that. You know, I said all the nasty things that I said last week about that golf course. Even though they have been mighty exclusive <laughs> throughout history. Yeah, I tip my, tip my hat to them. Uh, I watched the entire weekend and it was outstanding, that tournament. Best part about Matsuyama winning... Outside of the fact that he made history, is that each year before the tournament, a couple days before, the previous year's winner puts on what they call a, a champion's dinner. And the, the champion will pick all the food for that dinner. And I'm telling you something, those guys are going to eat incredibly well next year. Japanese cuisine, off the charts, finest in the world, if you ask me. But even if you don't golf, you have to admire how good these guys are. One of the coolest things about Katrina, my late wife, was that she really enjoyed watching golf with me. She said it was calming for her, and I agree, it's very calming watching golf. She never wanted to learn how to play or even attempt it, but she would always watch majors with me. In fact, and this is cool, she got so into it that as soon as the field was announced, we'd have a draft. Each of us took turns drafting five players apiece. Whoever picked the player that finished with the best score one and then the prize was usually like dinner at the winner's choice of a restaurant. Nothing big, but it was fun. I was a real snake, though. I I paid really close attention to the rankings and who was gaining momentum going into the tournament, and she didn't follow it that closely. I mean, she'd bet on based on who last won one or, or if the dude was attractive or something. But believe it or not, she picked Tiger the year he won the Masters for the first time because she found out he was from Orange County. Now, people like her are the same people who don't follow college basketball all year, but then they'll win the the March Madness pool in your office. Anyway, when you golf, you truly appreciate watching the best players in the world play on the the toughest courses in the world. And Augusta is crazy hard. It's like golfing on a pool table with a lot of bumps in it. Imagine having to hit a ball, a 170-yard tee shot, that has to strike an area two feet square, miss it by an inch, and your ball's going to roll 30 feet away from where you struck the green, or worse, down a hill and into the water. Almost got it to the hole, not close enough, penalty shot. When you golf, you play the course. You don't play other golfers. The guy with the best score wins, obviously, but you, you cheer for each other. And when I say play the course, I mean you're battling these masochistic sons of bitches that make these greens really tough and indulation and all this stupid shit that they do. And then they put the pin on the area of the green that makes it almost impossible to make a birdie. Yet, yet alone, hole-in-one, that's almost, it's ridiculous. you got to be very lucky. Their job is to humiliate you, to make you look bad. So your goal should be to flip the finger to these guys and get par or better on all the holes. Courses like Augusta, Beth Page Black, Spyglass, Oakhurst, stupid hard, even for pros. And I remember Katrina asking me, if I could golf any course in the world, what would it be? (laughs) And I said something like, you know, whichever course challenges me, but still allows me a chance to make par. I'm not a great golfer. I have my moments, but I'm consistently inconsistent. Golf is hard. And she said, "Uh, if someone paid your green fees, would you golf Augusta? I said, well, first of all, I think it's a club, so you have to belong to it if you want to play it. Second of all, Hell no. I'd probably lose two entire cases of balls playing that course. And it would humiliate me so badly. I'd probably want to give up the game. I golfed Torrey Pines down in San Diego once. Wonderful course, beautiful. But holy shit, that was brutal. Fairways were so narrow. I didn't know what to do. I lost a lot of balls. Great experience, but not fun. Because I was golfing with some really solid golfers on that day and coming up dead last by 20 to 30 strokes, that's not my idea of fun. When you feel like drinking after three holes of golf, you know you're not supposed to be golfing on that course. You're outmatched. Course wins every time. You want to know something? When it comes to taking a side or rooting for somebody, anyone, anything in fact, sports team, political candidate, you name it, I'm the kiss of death. If I root for you, or your team, prepare to take an L. Here I was last week, talking about how police reform is in the works, how we need to work on policing the police, how not all cops are bad, and then over the weekend, back-to-back news stories showing cops abusing their power yet again. One incident happened less than 10 miles from where George Floyd died. The details of this story start coming in, and it just looked worse and worse the more the news broke. This 26-year veteran of the police force who was responsible for providing some training to other officers shot this 20-year-old kid after pulling him over for having an air freshener hanging off his rearview mirror. I guess his tags had expired, registration tags. And, of course, he's black, so he was afraid of the police. So he guns it to escape from them, and then they shot him in his car. I guess he drove a little bit down the road, most likely passed out or died in the car and then crashed. Then the police chief comes out, calls the whole thing an accident. The officer thought she was grabbing her taser, but grabbed her gun instead and then fired. the fuck out of here. You expect people to buy that shit? You shot at a car and you thought you were using your taser. You were going to tase a car? People lost their fucking minds. You could imagine rioting, looting. (laughs) It went nuts. Right in the middle of the George Floyd trial. (laughs) They know how this is going to end. They've already opened the door to rule it an accident. She resigns from the force. I think the captain resigned. You've got a gun on your strong side, all right? A taser on your weak side. 26 years she's been doing this shit. She doesn't know what side her taser's on. And she's yelling, taser, taser, as she fires. I've heard a lot of excuses for shooting someone. This is the weakest. Maybe I just need to stop trying to help people. Stop taking a side. Stay in the middle and shut up. I open my mouth and defend or root for somebody. And they continue to fuck up and make me embarrassed. I bring bad karma. You think I'm joking? I've taken more L's than Whitney Houston took crack. All right? I meet Katrina, right? Her whole family was from Nebraska. Cornhuskers were their team. All right, all right, I'll root for them. Right in the shitter they go. My Dodgers. I've been rooting for the Dodgers since I was dropping loads into a diaper. Marginal successes in the 70s. And up until last year, hadn't won a World Series title in 32 years. I rooted for the Kings from the time I was nine all the way through the Gretzky years. No Stanley Cup. I start rooting for the Ducks instead. I switch. Two cups for the Kings. I'm not shitting you on this. I've been voting in the general election since 1984. I've only picked a winner twice. I think. I'm not going to say fuck the police, but those dudes, they're on their own now. It's in their best interest that I not come to their defense. They're better off without me. I'm like searching my body for a tattoo that says loser or something was I cursed at birth if I win at anything it's making friends I'm good at that and that matters anyway I root for Kansas City in the Super Bowl look what happened I'm rooting for Spieth Rose Thomas in the Masters yep Gonzaga (laughs) you know how that ended bad luck man stay away you ever see those uh, suggested for you profiles in your Instagram feed people you may know or people they think you might want to follow. Now, this this is just gross. Selena Gomez and Seventeen Magazine came up on there yesterday. Why on God's green earth would they think I'd want to follow a pop star in a magazine geared towards teenagers? Then it hit me. Maybe it was all those stupid comedies I was watching. I'm being tracked, right, by Netflix or Amazon Prime and Facebook's algorithm figured me out. (laughs) It's a wake-up call, I'll tell you that. I'm done with that shit anyway. Outside of sports and YouTube and headline news, I'm really not watching a whole hell of a lot right now. It's just weird to see those come up. Like, they think I'm a 17-year-old girl who watches, you know, R-rated comedies that are usually about relationships. And I don't regret watching them, okay? Don't get me wrong. They were entertaining, and look how much material I got out of that. My friends and I are still saying, take the Browns to the Super Bowl. It's like a mantra now. No regerts. But, yeah, time to hang up those cleats. They suggest Sephora or some of that other shit, and I'm just going to leave Instagram. I mean, they know I'm a dude, right? They know I'm a man in my 50s. I post pictures of mainly food, cycling, and outdoor stuff. The fuck's with the teen shit, Assholes. Yeah, I quit Facebook. I keep Instagram. Six months later, Facebook buys Instagram. I can't win. Ah, what are you going to do? Wait, what's this? Hold on a second. Breaking news. What's happening here? Hold on. Oh, man. Former police officer Kim Potter arrested on manslaughter charge in fatal shooting of Dante Wright. Jesus Christ. Here we go, kids. We've got Chauvin on trial and now Potter about to go on trial, probably in about a year, within 25 miles of each other. Man, this plot is so thick, he can hardly walk in it. So what happens? Chauvin walks or, or he goes to prison? If if he walks... Let me shut this, hold on. It's distracting me now. <laughs> yeah, if, if he walks... Yeah, there's going to be major riots, right? Which puts the pressure on the next jury to find her guilty. I heard someone say, whatever the outcome of the Chauvin trial, they're going to riot. They're going to loot. doesn't matter. I hope not. But the world, man, it turns in strange ways. Fuck me. This is getting interesting. You see what happens? Last year, it was COVID this, COVID that. Now we're back to normal. Mass shootings and police you know, brutality. Isn't that nice? Hey, we had an earthquake in the middle of the night last week, sometime between 3 and 4 in the morning. Apparently, there were a couple of them. There was a 3.2 that was followed up by a 4-something aftershock a few minutes later. It was just outside of L.A., so you're definitely going to feel it here. I'm woken up to my bedroom window rattling, and uh, this should tell you a little how used to earthquakes I am. I've lived here almost all my life. I I wake up, I hear it, and I go, oh, earthquake, and I go back to sleep, like literally right back to sleep. And I'd forgotten about it until the next morning I checked Twitter over coffee. My friends in the South and the Midwest, they've got to deal with real weather threats, if you ask me, like hurricanes and tornadoes and ice storms. In spite of all that, they'll say the same thing to me. I don't know how you can live there with the earthquakes. Hey, we get a major earthquake so rarely. These tremors are nothing. Let's talk about fire. Fires are the worst. That's the shit that scares me. I came the closest to ever being evacuated last summer. I live close to the edge of where the Cleveland National Forest starts. And that's all high desert, that area, right? It gets very dry during the summer, especially if we don't get a lot of rain, which we've not gotten a lot of this season. That place went up like a tinderbox Twice last year, and the first one was the worst. 35 mile an hour winds, smoke so thick, maybe 150 feet of visibility. It was incredibly unhealthy and really scary. I had all my doors and windows closed. My house still smelled like a smokehouse. I could have hung a ham up in my kitchen, smoked it. One of my friends told me, run my air conditioner, clears the air. So I did that, and it worked. Anyway, the evacuation zone was it went and went from the fire where the fire was all the way down to across the street from me all the houses i can see across the street and that's where the evacuation zone stayed for like 3 days so i had bags packed uh I, you know just in case i had to beat feet the fuck out of here you know you're packing all those important documents and hard drives and photos everything you can't live without that might go up in flames if the fire makes it to your house and this thing would have to chew through a few hundred homes before it got to me. So I wasn't worried about it. I don't scare easily. But being evacuated and having to stay at your friend's house, not knowing if you're coming home to rubble, would be the worst thing for me. So yeah, earthquakes? Shit. That's Mother Nature using a vibrator in the middle of the night because she can't sleep. I could give a shit less about those. I don't think I've ever lived close enough to the epicenter of a quake to incur, like, real property damage. I've felt some strong ones but they weren't near me. I remember my first one. I was a kid, five or six years old, I think. Hanging lamps were swinging, pictures falling off the wall, house was shaking like crazy, scared the living shit out of me. But not since then have I experienced anything like that. We get jolts, right? It, it feels like a fish striking your bait. It rumbles for about six seconds, then it just kind of peters off. We had a couple good ones a couple years ago that were shaking the stoplights near the school crossing swaying back and forth. And I had taken the girls to the pool that day and they saw it happening. It scared the piss out of them. <laughs> when I was growing up in Arkansas, I experienced a tornado. Now that is fucking scary. It hopped our house. We missed it. I think it missed it by maybe 400 feet. Destroyed one of the mobile trailer homes that we had set up as a pigeon coop. I think it took some tiles off our house or something. Sound sounded like a train is just riding over your house. And we had no storm shelter. And I don't think my aunt and uncle, who I was living with at the time, had any idea that we were under that kind of threat. But they had wood panels protecting a windows, so I figured they had to know something. But that could have been disaster. Man, the stories that came out of that, too. One of the farmers who owned, he owned about 50 acres behind us, he had cows and stuff. He was missing three horses. And they found two of them on the other side of town, but uh, one was never seen again. Imagine what that might be like, all right, being picked up, riding inside of this noisy thing, being spun around like a top, and then thrown into a field like three miles away. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'll take my chances on the earthquake, thanks. <laughs> I know a big one's coming, all right? We're due. We've been waiting for it for like 30 years. Maybe I should root for the earthquake so it doesn't come, jinx it. Let's see what else. Oh, uh, Bernie Madoff. He died in prison yesterday, I think. He was the dude that ran that Ponzi scheme that practically took down every rich person who traded back at the turn of the new century here. Of all the people he hurt, the one that got me was Nancy Silverton. She's this incredible baker. She started La Brea Bakery and then went on to open a bunch of cool restaurants like Pizzeria Mozza with Mario Batali and... Joe Bastianich Is it B- Bastianich? Yeah, I don't. But she was, you know, she was more than just a talented chef. She's a solid person, very loving, very friendly. Loves to share ideas. Made off made off with close to 6 million dollars of her money, man. I mean, that was everything. Her kids, you know, re- anything that she was going to do for her kids, it was all gone. It was everything she had. She had to start all over again after that, and she did. So, you know, she's lived two lives, if you ask me. Now, Bernie was a grade-A dick. Hey, you ever watch those people who interpret in sign language on television? You'll have someone holding a press conference, and either behind them or on the side will be someone interpreting in sign language. Watch the facial expressions on these people. There's nothing funny about the deaf or being deaf, all right? But I'm cracking up watching the faces of these interpreters. Contortions on their face, making all kinds of crazy expressions. I watched one the other night. I wasn't even paying attention to what was being said. I was captivated by watching this dude. It almost looks like they're making fun of the person talking. The dude almost looked high. His hand movements were so fast. I don't know how you guys can keep up with that. What a noble job, though. Yeah, I had an off-color joke here. I was going to tell my little cheat sheet, but... Yeah, I think better of it. I'm not going to do it. I'll make fun of anything, but I'm not making fun of the deaf. And it's borderline offensive anyway. You know, it's not really a joke about the deaf. A funny, (laughs) one of the funniest news items I saw all week was this video that emerged of a, a woman hitting a dude over the head with a mop. It happened in China. Apparently, this woman was a government worker and her boss was sending her sexually harassing texts. So somehow she must've set this up because the whole thing is recorded and on video and then goes viral, right? She storms into his office with a mop in her hand and just starts beating the shit out of this guy with a mop, throws water in his face, throws books at him. And this guy just sits there and takes it. And she picks the mop back up and starts beating him with it again. It's fucking genius. Dude tries to demean you with harassment. So you take something that has floor scum all over it and you'll whack him upside the head with it. You know, At that point, you just hover over him and take a shit on his head, all right? He's not resisting. If you want to humiliate him, do it right. Yeah, so I read that China has these strict rules against this stuff and he's more than likely going to lose his government job. It's just an outstanding story. I love it. Revenge tale. Okay, so that's all I got for you this week. Looking back at it, I'm. Did I even make a point? <laughs> what was my point? I don't know how I'm going to title this. Anyway, thanks for listening to me ramble. I'll see you guys next time. Cheers.